now tuned into the I think what you need what think what you need to do man is continue doing what you're doing to build up more capital so that way you're not so you're not freaking out pinching pennies over here because ultimately Oh no I know. Yeah because ultimately yeah, yeah. like you don't want to have to go back and fix it. You want to be able to you know set it up right and set it up for the future and like I hate to say it but like the only missing link to your problem here is capital. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Know? Like let's be honest bro that's it like I'm thinking like you, ballpark buck twenty, I think, to get it started. thousand dollars? Get the I fuck think out so, of man. here! What are you? No, bro, what is this? A no. Michelin star restaurant, bro? Get the fuck out of here, dog! <laughs> get out of here! It's, you, it's gonna be. You're talking gonna be. about one dish, KC. One twenty to get it one all. Dish with fifteen seats, bro. Have you seen how they operate in Japan, bro? They got like a stall. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Bro, you get some of the I best know. ramen in the world. You're overthinking it, man. Yo, my guy, you're yeah, overthinking dude, what you, it, bro. What you, what you gotta get, especially in Jersey, you gotta get a place that you can work out of while you're doing construction. That yeah, way, you can get man. a deal where you don't have to pay rent for like a couple months. Because the landlord, you're mm -hmm. like, yo, I gotta, I gotta do construction and shit. Yeah. So you gotta give me like three, four months to get up and running, but you can still sell in that time. So you yeah. start making profit. But I think, I mean, I went to 120, you're talking about opening up like a full shirt, like all painted on the walls, yeah. fucking everything open going. You're you're like, like, listen, you need to be at target range, not Gucci range, bro. Like, <laughs> dude, you, like, you need your shop, essentially your shop like needs to open grand. up. Like when they do the health inspection, you need with. to just like barely pass. So I was like, that's how you I open know, up I and know, then like dude. you go from there. Oh <laughs> yeah. But look, I have, we have a phone one, call next week. There's, there's one missing link to this. There's one missing link to this. And the problem is, is he's only open one, one or two days a week. And the thing is, is yeah. you're, you're, you're so close-minded in scaling that, you know, you don't want to scale And like right now is the time. Like if I were you, I would negotiate mm. to try to sell ramen in, in addition to what you're selling, uh, you know, throughout the week when you're working, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's, it's mm -hmm. worth it. If it's worth it to you, you'll do it. But like selling, mm. you know, ramen one day a week is just not going to get you where you want to be. So right now you're just dreaming. You're just dreaming. That's cool to dream, I'm but a dream dreaming. is nothing. A goal, look, a dream is nothing but a dream. It's all about execution. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's is my that's what I truly believe. But anyway, well, let's put a let's cut a cap on that. Let's get a, let's get a little information from our from our guest. So, do you have an intro, Casey, or no? Ah, <laughs> uh, no, you're good. Um, I mean, this this is our homie Carlos. Carlos is yeah. the other salty version. So like, nah, he's nah, literally nah. as salty as I am. Well, dude, you know like, what? He just I doesn't want to go full throttle. I want to. I want to get into some saltiness. But look, Carlos, give us a little. Give us a little uh, three minute summary about yourself. Um, if you know, like you've met, like our our listeners have never met you before. That would be wonderful. I mean, man, I work in the restaurant industry. Like my story is the same as anybody else's that's been in the game for so long. You know, I started off as dish. Uh, I'm from New York. I currently live in Washington, and you DC? know, uh, Washington D.C. No, no, no. Washington State. State. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, you know, I, I worked everywhere from like mom and pop shops. Um, I worked at fucking dive bars. Um, the last place I, I worked for the Make It Nice group was the last place I worked at in New York. Mm. Um, so I was there when like EMP won like best restaurant. And mm. man, I just um, I got to an age where I just needed to get out of fine dining. Like it just wasn't for me anymore. I got like the two, the two, three hundred cover nights, man. It's just, I, they're not in me anymore. Dang. I love the rush of it, but it's just not in there. And you know, right now, man, I'm just trying to find my place in like the culinary world after COVID. Um, I think that uh, I'm kind of done with executive chef business, and I just want to like get to the next level, something different. Yeah, um, I love cooking, and I'm trying to get myself more out there to like do social media and shit like that. I've never been a big like camera person. So, yeah. um, you know, I'm just trying to get there, trying to find where I'm going to go next 
with these last 15 years of fucking restaurant shit that I've had to deal with. Mm. Yeah. I think, you know? I think you're, I think you and um, 90% of the chefs out there at our level are all thinking the same thing. Right. Yeah. Listen, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, just in the, just in the last two years, I've been able to build my brand because I've went all in on my fucking self because yeah. here we go. Here I am 35 years old, COVID hits. And, and listen, all that hard work I put in for all these other chefs running their restaurants, doing their visions, guess what I got yeah. from it? Absolutely nothing, fucking nothing. 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 And, and then <laughs> I realized, like, you know what? I need to do something for myself and for my family. And I'll yeah. be honest, um, you know, I try to uh, encourage other chefs like you and myself um, and, you know, Casey to just post, post content, just post it. Because yeah. The reality is, is you can, I would argue that you could make more being a content creator than a chef at a restaurant. Yeah. Guaranteed. Man. I agree. Yeah. Guaranteed. I, mean, I think, I think I'm stuck like anybody else, man. Like I, I'm stuck in this mentality of like, if I want to post something, I want it to be perfect, but it's, yeah. it's not about being perfect. So, it's just about, so think, it's about volume. Yeah. Think about it being more like you're just documenting. Look, come yeah. on. You want to talk about perfect? Look at KC. KC is motherfucking, <laughs> he is a cinematographer. Okay. He's made some beautiful videos. My man uses the trap phone to make TikTok videos. Okay. Hell yeah. <laughs> like, but here's the thing. Like, and, and, and I will also play devil's avocado here. Some of my most viral videos were from my iPhone. You know what I'm saying? It's more about yeah. the story. And yeah. in all honesty, I think, I think it's good, man. I think the, I think the, the biggest thing though is because I, I'm, I'm really an advocate for chefs creating their own personal brands that doesn't have to be attached to a restaurant. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you yeah. can, you can, you can hop on YouTube and make your own shit. Yeah. It's going to take some time. It takes effort. Like, I mean, the minimum I would recommend to post a day is, you know, one time a day, the problem, the thing is, is what you have to hold on to is yeah, that you could post one TikTok and it'll change your life. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like yeah, you, you post one TikTok and it could be <laughs> mega viral or, you know, whatever. But like, um, you know, I think that's really important. So like, I don't know, Casey, you want to touch on that? I mean, my, my viral thing is my little black garlic. I had no idea. I was just kind of doing my thing and then just kind of took off. But I mean, yeah, when I, I was talking to Brandon, he was just like, yo, homie, reply to fucking everybody. I'm like, okay. Yeah. He goes by video. I'm like, I got this. Yeah. <laughs> and then from there, it just kind of, kind of went off. But I, I always have this thing where. I'm petty and I wanted to really kind of knack on that as my not niche, but like it's me personally. Like that's, that's just me. And I think people kind of understand that. And then after that, now it's just like, I'm just writing it literally yeah. s since yeah. it first I, began. So, yeah, I think the, but the funniest thing about Casey is man, he actually takes the time to, re to like <laughs> dig into the petty. I really do. The oh, thing yeah. is, is what people don't know is they kind of don't stand a chance because see, KC yeah. has put in the work and he's and nobody's right. gonna hurt his feelings. You're not gonna hurt his feelings right. because he's a fucking adult and he's a grown-up. Right. And listen, I don't care what anybody says, but like, you know, uh, you know, when you're when you're a chef, man, it's really difficult to um, you know, like talk shit to us and get a response. You know what I mean? It's just the way it is, yeah. dude. dude I like mean, the shit we talk about in the kitchens, dude. It's like most people, like honestly, like if somebody from Ocean, like if you're sensitive, when I do my interviews, it's like, dude, if you're sensitive, you don't want to work here. Yeah. Because yeah, even correct. like even like our light stuff that we talk about is pretty extreme for some people. <laughs> Straight know? up. So, so are you, Carlos, are you working now or are you just, uh, are you? Yeah, man. So uh, right now I'm working in corporate. 
So uh, I'm the executive chef of a like a private golf course here in a, in Washington. Oh, okay, cool. Um, it's like one of the one of the biggest golf courses in in Washington State. Yeah. Um, it's a beautiful course, man. It's just uh, kind of dealing. I was talking to Casey about it and the other guys. It's kind of dealing with like, you know, zero organization from like a management standpoint, which yeah. makes my job super hard. Um, mm. You know, I got a I got F, I got uh, my my GM right now is from Cali, so he's a wine guy. So he wants to have like a Napa Valley feel to yeah. this. And I'm just like, dude, you're in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. These guys yeah. don't understand that shit. Like, yeah. my, like that guys, you, you get him some wine from Cali and they're going to look at you like, the fuck is this, man? I want some Washington wine. And you're <laughs> yeah. like, and, dude, I don't know that. you know what, man? It's so funny you say that because then like the perspective of you is you're like kind of setting your ways. And it's like, I know you don't want to be like that, but at the same time, you know what's going to work. How long have you been there? Uh, two years actually now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a fun gig. Um, it's been it's been an upward battle, dude. Like when I got there, the, these you're talking about country club that was stuck in '95. Yeah. Um, they were selling uh, what is it, prime uh, prime rib Fridays for like 15 bucks a person. Of um, course, they were doing pasta. <laughs> they were okay. doing like all you can eat pasta nights on Tuesdays, and dude, when I got there, 78 percent food costs. 78. <laughs> yep. You 78% didn't tell me this. Holy shit. Yeah, dude. So. It's Wait, been a, it's been an upper battle since then. It was one of those things where, like, you know, the the wow. customer's always right. Was there a chef so, there before or no? Or it you... was, but it was the mentality that like chefs went there to retire. So the guy, the guy that was there like six years ago, had been there for twenty five. Mm. Um, and the other guys that came in, there's a guy that came in that was like a gastronomy chef, and that was just two extremes. Like you're talking about pot roast and mashed potatoes. And fucking gastronomy, like mm. these guys weren't yeah, ready for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then a couple other guys got there. They were corporate chefs for years and years. And you know, I came in. I'm a young dude. Like I'm, I'm 34 this year. So I came in with the mentality, like, all right, man, we got to take baby steps. Yeah. And when I talked to the GM, I was like, listen, I, I get your vision. Uh, how? What's the time frame? He was like, oh, I can do this in a year. I was like, no, you can't. Nah. No, you can't. Like you're talking about five, six years of like gradual change to get this where you want to go. Um, and I've just been battling that, man. I've just been battling the membership, yeah. battling like the ideas of two different well, people who have a vision. Yeah, that's the biggest problem because with private clubs like that, they're not really going for profit in the food and beverage area. It's pretty much just an amenity. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So right. it's like, you know, where they make right. their money is not in food and beverage. It's kind of like just oh, the, dude. you know what I'm saying? Because let's be honest, man, 78% food costs and you'll be shut down anywhere else. But like, I totally get it because it's a private club. But it's yeah. like, you know, it's kind of like what I'm dealing with, you know, you know, my where I work, there's no we're not going for profit, man. So it's like, you know, sometimes it's kind of it's fucking ridiculous. But at the same time, yeah. it's like, you know, you just have to take the good with the bad, man. You know, I'm sure you're getting a fat salary. So it's like, you know, you have to like weigh the pros and cons. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like it's it's. I mean, the salary is pretty decent. Uh, I'm actually hit my year, too. So I'm looking to like renegotiate. I took mm -hmm. the job because it was like 2020 middle of pandemic and nobody was hiring. Yeah. So the salary uh, was decent. And I was like, yo, let me get in here before like I get fucked over. And like, I, I yeah. really got to take a shitty job that I don't want. And like I said before, like, I was kind of done with mom and pop restaurants. Corporate has its positives. Like the pay is beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You can do a lot with corporate, um, corporate kitchens. Yeah. Like you could have a lot of fun when it comes to like spending a little bit more and things like that. Um, and, you know, like I said, I'm from New York, man. Like I, I come from a time where like you had line cooks that were better than sous chefs. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? And all these things. And in Washington state, it's hard to find that competition. It's hard. It's hard to find that talent. Like I got guys who want to get paid 24 bucks an hour who don't know how to make a Christini. You know what I mean? Oh shit. <laughs> yeah. So it makes, it makes my job harder and harder. And I think that's where kind of my crossroads is right now. Where like, dude, I don't want to put in 16 hours in a restaurant anymore. Yeah. Like 18 yeah. hours and shit like that. that like, shit I don't is it's not worth it anymore, especially our ages. I got, you know what? I got two kids. Yeah. Um, what ages? And uh, three and a half and nine months. Oh, okay. Damn. It's, yeah. That's so amazing. Mine is right. six, six and three. That's awesome. In case yeah. you got a cat. No kids. Yeah. I got a cat. <laughs> no kids. Yeah. That's all I got. Okay. Yeah, man. But uh, Brandon, you work in Silicon Valley, right? You, um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I work for a tech company here in Silicon Valley that has, uh, you know, over 50 billion in assets. And it, it was a really cool gig to start. Like it was absolutely fucking amazing. Like, um, you know, when I started, I was, you know, pretty much what they wanted was they wanted a Michelin trained chef to come in and do total like they wanted to build a restaurant in this facility pretty much. And so I did. I bought everything that I could think of imaginable, like blank check set it up. And then every single day I'm doing like tasting menus, fucking, it was absolutely crazy. And it was, it was draining. Wow. Don't get me wrong. I was working yeah. a lot of hours, but then where, where my issue is, is after the pandemic, right? Basically what happened was they just kept all the key people, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. then from there, they're like, okay, fuck California. This is ridiculous. Totally picked up the whole company and moved overseas. Right. So like now it's kind of like, oh. it, you know, I, I can't complain because my schedule is really cush, but man, I am just so not fulfilled anymore. You know what I mean? Like zero yeah. fulfillment. So yeah, I'm, I'm mm -hmm. working on, I'm working on that aspect, but like the biggest thing that I don't like is I have to keep, you know, obviously this industry is very discreet. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you don't, you don't ever see anybody posting in Google or posting in Facebook. Like, you know what I'm saying? The shit is locked down like crazy. So I yeah. can't actually show what I'm actually doing at work. And that really frustrates me sometimes because sometimes I do some really cool stuff and sometimes I get to meet a lot of really cool people, like really, really cool people. And, you know, unfortunately, but you're it's not just allowed like, to No, man, I, dude, I, I had one video go viral. Uh, it was about an omelet and it was at work. I plated it at work and somebody recognized the plate and I almost got fired. You know what I'm saying? Because sure. it's so, it's like, it's like the secret service, man. It's crazy. It's like, it's like, you know, it's just absolutely ridiculous, but I'm not going to lie. It's a very good job. I get paid very well. I'm, um, I've been there almost four years now, Yeah. but I'm not going to lie. I'm working on something big behind the scenes. Big. <laughs> something nah, dude, I seen, I seen your, so, your social media blow up. You know, I was actually thinking it was, uh, I think it was one of your lives one day and I got the idea that you mentioned that um, just hiring somebody to do my edits. Cause that's yeah. the biggest mm -hmm. time. And that's like my biggest challenge. So yeah. like I think I would just hire somebody I can get a, like a decent price and just send them raw footage and like yeah. you know, just, just make it social media nice like for me to post it and just post it up. If I didn't because... have my video editors, man, I would not be able to. Yeah. Uh, so basically, the way I do it now is what I'll do is I'll chop up the TikToks in the the IG and then I have one I have I literally have one person in the in the Philippines that literally just he fucking edits for me for you know five days a week nine to five. Cause I, I can do a YouTube video, but like, it, it'll take me, it takes me, I've clocked it. It takes me about eight hours total time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so yeah. for me, I just, man, I cut the check. And then honestly, I, like, I'm not going to lie. Like what I do is I just do like one or two brand deals and then it'll, it'll, it X's out that. Even that it up. You know? yeah. yeah. It evens it up. And um, yeah. And, but I'll be honest, man. I, I like, for, that's why I want more chefs to post because brand deals are fucking serious, man. Like you can get yeah. a serious bag off of posting a 30 second video. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I remember I was thinking to myself, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, dude, if I was a cook, dude, because cooks, you're not going to make that much. But if you could supplement your income with a couple sponsored posts, you know, because like, dude, there's companies out here, they'll give you 500, 600 bucks for a video. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Then you have other, you have different levels to this shit, man. You know what I'm saying? You can get to like, you know, because now it's not really about, it's not really about your following. It's about how, if you're able to work with the company, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Right. Yeah. And um, it doesn't matter. And if, if you have, if you can get to 10K on TikTok, then you got some leverage. You know what I mean? That's the, yeah. that's the bottom line. All you need to do is get to 10K. You don't need to get, you don't need to have like hundreds of thousands of followers. But right. I think, I think what's really important and I try to tell this to all chefs, you need to have multiple streams of income. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You can't just be, you can't just focus off a of W2 anymore, man. You're not going to fucking make it, you know, then you're like no, stressed. Yeah. Especially it, the way things are going. Yeah. It's, it's, it's better. So anybody out there, if you're listening to this, if you're a young cook, if you are a chef, don't do what I did. I, from age 17 to 27, I worked six days a week. I fucking slaved and it got me far in my career. I mean, shit, I was, a, I was a sous chef by, I was a sous chef by like 23, 24, but that's because I worked yeah. relentlessly. But in all honesty, my twenties were a fucking blur. They literally, I, yeah. It, it makes me so sad because like it, like I, there were so many vac vacations I missed so many concerts I missed so many, there was so much sacrifice involved and it was all for yeah. just experience that, I, that I would argue is almost not worth it right now. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it's not, you look for back. me personally, for me personally, it's not yeah. worth it. Um, you know, yeah. dude, I, when I, when I was at EMP, like these kids and a lot of them were still like in the, in the fine dining industry, like Gramercy Tavern, ABC kitchen, and like, yeah. um, working with all these famous chefs, but dude, you walked in there and these kids didn't know how to cook at all. Most of them, yeah. from my experience, a lot of them didn't know how to cook. They just, they followed recipes very well. And then I came to my realization where like, you know, we used to hang out after uh, on the weekends and shit, like on a Monday we were closed. And we go to each other's houses and we do these dinner parties as a way to like practice and shit. And these motherfuckers are like cooking the same way they cook in the restaurant to the point that like, I'm from the Caribbean. So like I made like some sofrito and some like some stew chicken yeah. and this and that. And these kids at the audacity, they look at me and be like, hey, man, you need more acid in that, right? So I'm like, and my grandma, my grandmother taught me how to make this. You're crazy. Like, get out of here. It doesn't need more That's acid. Funny. But they had that restaurant palate and I was like, that's all they knew. And, yeah, you know, after that, I kind of took a good look at where I was working. And I was like, man, these guys know how to follow recipes. They don't they don't know how to create. And yeah. I found that the small mom and pop restaurants and the small hole in the walls, where's where like creativity really thrive. That's when you learn like cooking from like generations and generations aside from like all this new shit that people are like trying to make up, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, I think that's really important, man. I, you know, it's funny because every time I post a video, like I'll only post a recipe if it gets enough views, man. I'm not even wasting time anymore. Right. Yeah. But the thing is, is what I want to encourage, what I, what I encourage people to do is just to try to, you know, try to create, don't worry about a fucking recipe all the time. Now, if you're baking bread, it's a different story, but to anybody out there, if you are cooking at your house, you don't need to use tablespoon this, you know, half a cup, no. this man, fuck all that. Dude, I barely measure barely on a good day. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like it's because you have experience bread. though. Dude, I make you know? banana bread so much. I don't even have to measure, bro. I make banana bread so fucking much. I don't even have to measure. I make, but I, I, don't even, I don't even think it's about experience too. I think it's just about, I think it's just about having the courage to try. I feel like with social yeah, media, yeah. what I found is that so many people are, are so fearful of being judged negatively by somebody for something that they make mm -hmm. that it's yeah. like, dude, like when I make, when I make something, like if I, if I, if I look up a recipe online and I want to make it at home, 
I don't follow. I follow like the guidelines of ingredients yeah. and things like that, but I make it to mm. my flavor. Yep. And yeah. I think a lot of people have that fear to make something and have someone not like it. Sure. And for yeah. us who've been in the restaurant industry, when you create your menus, you know, when I, when we all became chefs and we created our first menu in our first restaurant, we put it out, dude, we had that fear of like, shit, what if this doesn't sell? Or what if somebody doesn't you, like it? You know it? what? You know what? That's mm. a great point. And what you know what I tell everybody is you want to fail. Like you want to put up a dish that's not good or an up subpar because it's going to, it's only a learning lesson. Trust me. Yeah. There's been, there's times where I've executed a whole tasting menu. And I remember, um, you know, like thinking like, man, this course sucks, man. Like I really don't like this course <laughs> and it'll be their, it'll be their favorite course. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Of I made course. this, I made this savory oatmeal once and, uh, dude, honestly, in my head, it sounded so good. And it was, it was delicious. It was delicious, but it looked like a pile of shit. So I made an oatmeal risotto <laughs> and I used, I used dashi. I used a poached egg. I used, um, it was crispy kale. And then I had, um, I had confit, some kind of meat on there. It was, oh, I used the duck egg. So it was a confit duck egg. No, it was, it was a 64 degree duck egg, uh, crispy duck confit, crispy kale, and, uh, you know, garlic chips, onion chips. And when I explained the dish, the vision was solid and but i'm telling mm. you right now when i looked at it i'm like gosh it's like a pile of shit dude like fuck <laughs> and and let me tell you something it was their most it was their most favorite dish but i was shaking but did and it taste knew. good yeah it tasted That's amazing it, it was it was savory it was like a savory oatmeal but the texture of the steel oats just like kind of it sets you it sets it apart because it was like it was like hearty and everybody's used to eating oats for breakfast and so yeah. and it was funny because like because like uh, after the dinner, I remember going around like, hey, what did you guys enjoy the most? And I was thinking, you know, it'd be the A5 Wagyu or the Spot Prawn. And they were like, no, you know what? Nope. The dish was amazing. was the, the oatmeal dish. And he, they were like, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, dude, shut up. Like, I mean, I made a really good dashi stock. It was really good. It was, it was really good savory broth. But and that dish still sticks with me to this day. But it's funny because like go. I was ready for complete failure, right? Like I was ready to take it in the chin. Dude, I've, I've created so many dishes and like, trust me, man, I know. And when I was young, when I was a young sous chef and I was, and I was hungry, like, dude, I used to wear my emotions on my sleeve, but like, I, I will be honest. Like, I think once you grow up a little bit, you realize it's just part of the business. You know, not everybody's going to like your food. Not everybody's going to like you. It's just the yeah, way it yeah. is, man. I, I remember having somebody at uh, when I worked at Hotel Bel Air, uh, you know, come in the kitchen, this old lady. And she's like, my housekeeper makes a better Caesar than this shit. <laughs> That's exactly what she said. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay. Nice. Let's go, Grandma. And then, and it's funny because, like, uh, you know, I was trying not to laugh. And then everybody was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know, she was a VIP. But then uh, it was funny because the manager came to me and he was like, Chef, what are we going to do about the Caesar salad? Do we need to change the dressing? Do we need to change the lettuce? And I'm yeah. like, hey, man, go to the micros, go to the micros and print out how many Caesars we sold today. And it was crazy. It was probably like 130 for the whole day, right? For yeah. lunch and dinner. And I was like, how many complaints did we get on the Caesar? On the Caesar salad? Ask everybody. Okay. And he's like, well, it looks like just one. I'm like, okay, so you want to change the formula just that we have for one? the Caesar for one complaint? <laughs> and then he's like, damn. He's like, you know what? I didn't think about it like that. I'm like, okay, so listen, times five. What is that? That's 600 Caesars a motherfucking week. I'm like, dude, I get, yeah. I get one complaint. Get the okay. here. Yeah, exactly. I've already, listen, I've already took out the anchovies, okay, and I'm not happy about it. But like, yeah, we. I remember because when you're like, and this is what chefs need to realize, like, when you're like, dude, I worked for this chef that only fried in peanut oil, and it was crazy, man, because like, like gross. 
No, listen, I get it. Like, it's expensive. Like, it, it's very expensive. It's very it's forty dollars a freaking. It's very expensive. Yeah. And honestly, for some things, for some things, I agree. But like, dude, in a hotel environment, when you have so many fucking nut allergies and banquets like that, you don't have nut allergies, yeah, and you have to give them a disclosure that we fry in peanut oil. And I'll tell you what, man, I remove that scenario, right? I got the fucking, you know, the canola fry shit, right? Like the, mm. like, I don't know about you guys, but I don't like dirty fryer oil. So I would much no. rather buy the $13 one and throw it out at the mm. end of the night, right? And then start yeah. fresh the next day. Almost like daily. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, because yeah. it's just it's just more efficient. But dude, going and straining the fucking... And then it was funny because no. I remember I remember him... I removed this this allergy from the from the menu and um and it was funny because we had literally set up an extra fryer for regular uh, food right like for regular for people that had nut allergies sorry stupid right a whole yeah. nother fryer layer and so i think what i'm trying to get that trying to get at is like i think chefs get so ego driven where they don't realize like the detriment that you have on cooks with yeah mm-hmm. a good thing is like like a good example is like i removed the um the reason why i was saying i took the anchovy out is because we always had no anchovy no anchovy an- no anchovy and so I, it was in the dressing. So we would have to sub the dressing. So I'm like, fuck it, take it out of the dressing yeah. and we'll garnish it on top. So that way if they say no anchovy, we just don't garnish. And uh, it was funny because it was like a fight, but it ended up working. And I remember the cooks, like the cooks on the station, would they would have to make a separate Caesar dressing with no, no. anchovy. And I'm like, nah, bro. Nah, no, that's I'm crazy. Like, yeah. I mean, it, it reminds me that, so it's funny because I, one of my, um, one, like my second or third um, executive chef job, I got fired. Uh, it was a hotel. Because it was the middle of a lunch rush and the restaurant manager came up to me and says, hey, do we use peanut oil? And I was like, no, dude, it's right. It's just canola. And then he put in a ticket. I remember it was a grilled cheese. And at the time, we used to put um, nuts in the pesto because we used to sell grilled cheese and tomato soup with a with a basil pesto. And it so happened that the kid that that soup went to had a nut allergy, which oh. wasn't on the ticket. Wow. And then the only thing, dude, we're lucky because we like the hotel was like right across the street from the hospital. So they, they didn't have an EpiPen. They got him in the hospital. The kid was fine. And the GM was asking me, and her thing was, is like, hey, when he asked you if you use peanut oil, your next question should have been, hey, are there any other allergies? Because they're asking for a reason. But I was like in the middle of a lunch rush, and I was like, dude, but that's a that's like a table side thing. Yeah. So after, after that day, I make pestos with no nuts. Yeah, so you I make a piece doing it. Piece yeah, I just make piece And I just, I eliminate, I eliminate that shit as best i fucking can for my yeah. menu just not to deal with it because there's sometimes yeah. where people won't tell you you know Bro, what i mean i know exactly what you're yo, saying. can we talk about this yo my chef right now likes to add nuts to everything our our vinaigrettes are <laughs> our, our fucking salt literally nuts to everything and then obviously I, I can assure you tomorrow i'm gonna have like four people with nut allergies and we can't fucking serve them any of the uh, any of the fixings and he's gonna flip he's gonna be like can't fucking do it blah 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 Go to another restaurant. I'm like, bro, just omit the fucking nut. Yeah, we don't, we exactly. don't need it. Dude, like, you really right. don't. It's just, it's fine. Can I tell you something? Yeah. That way everybody's gonna... happy. Yeah. Hey, you know what? I'm I'm totally with you. And like, listen, I used to be the chef that when I would create a dish, I'd be like, no, we're not removing anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and like, I hate that for my, I hate that for myself. Yeah, it's perfect. This is how, this is how I wanted it. But like, in all honesty, what I realized is that just ruins their experience. Right. Yeah. And oh my God. I'm not going to lie. You also got some phonies, right? You got some people saying, Hey, I'm vegan. Oh, but I'm going to eat this. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, oh, I'm vegan. I'm vegetarian. Oh, I'm gluten free. I'm dairy free. And honestly, they're really not. And you know what? That's okay. I feel like the thing is, is nowadays with so many people 
being adverse to so many things, it's trained me to be much more diligent and better with yeah, communication. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I, the bottom line, and, and I'll be honest, I'm with you, Casey, on that. I will fucking remove nuts real quick. Like yeah, there's on banquet on banquet menus. But like, I think the bigger the bigger thing for me is gluten. Gluten. I've tried to like, yeah. you know, mm. like, I, and I'm I'm real with them too, man. I'm real. I'm straight up. Like, if you want me to bake bread with no with no gluten, you better get the fuck away from me. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I will I will make you a quick bread with gluten free flour, but you're not getting sourdough. Yeah. Like, like be yeah, realistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like if they're like, especially with like. You know, <laughs> I've had so many people like, oh, I can't have this. I can't have that. And I'm just like, yeah, no problem. We'll make it happen. You know, it's not it's not a problem because they feel better when you've taken care of them, you know. Yeah. And trust me, I've had some weird dietary restrictions, especially in the last, uh, you know, last year, year and a half. But, yeah. um, you know, for me, it's it's part of the game now. It really is, man. You got people that just it's it crazy because like. What you, what you have to do, you have to create a separate dish for them. Like that's not even on the menu. You know what I mean? And most of the time it's like, it's aggravating, but at the same time, I think uh, it's our job to go above and beyond. And that's part of yeah. the hospitality, you know? Of course. I mean, and those, yeah, those special requests that. always come in, <laughs> but did I you bet get, you they always come in at the worst time too. Did you get fired for the nuts though? That's what you got fired for? Yeah. So she, um, she, she made, they so were, they were friends go. like the, she, yeah, she let me go because it was, um, the incident happened because of me. Um, so I should have asked more wow. questions in the moment and things like that. And um, I think that, I mean, I was already at an age where I was just like, cool. I mean, I'm, I'm glad the kid was okay. Um, sure. But, you know. But that was if, the only reason? It was because of that, that? That was the only reason. That was the only reason. What? It was, um, Dude, she, felt, she felt that it just solely felt, uh, fell on me. And I was just like, you know, I was like, all right, man. Was this, was this HR or was this? Uh... No, that was the, the GM of the hotel. So yeah. it was, I was, I was like the new guy. I was also, um, what hotel was this? It was in uh, hotel uh, Sorrento in, in Washington, up oh, in okay. Seattle. It was my first, um, it was like my first job in Washington after I had moved from New York. So I still had that fucking attitude on me. Oh <laughs> like, just, yeah. I was yeah. like, I was like, fuck you. I'll get another job, whatever, blah, blah. And, um, you know, uh, after I, I think, I think that, kind of changed my mentality too when it came to a lot of things like yeah it was one of those breaking points for me where when i was a younger cook in like my mid-20s i no longer got bothered like i don't give a shit if you want your steak well done yeah. fine i'll yeah. just put it in the oven for seven more minutes i don't give a fuck yeah you know like i i still work with cooks that are like oh you want your shit super dry i was like why are you getting mad it's yeah, not your yeah. money yeah if exactly. they want to pay yeah. 50 dollars for for a dry ribeye that's on them why the just, fuck not exactly you know, and also there's another thing too. Like there's there's the right way of making a well done steak. You know what I mean? Um, and yeah, I was I worked with cooks in the past where like you took that steak, oh, we'll chuck it in the fryer, and like they would disrespect the food because they didn't believe it was the best way to do it. Yeah, and I'm to the point now where like, dude, if we base our steaks, you're gonna sear it both sides, you're gonna base it, you're gonna throw it in the oven, you're gonna let it rest, and you're gonna slice it afterwards. Yeah, that's the, that's all we can do. So little food for thought, when I worked for Wolfgang Puck, right, in Los Angeles, um, their number one, I was looking at the finances for their number one uh, in Do Doha. They have, a, they have a steakhouse in Doha. It's called Cut Steak. And this is the number one most, they sell the most Wagyu at this restaurant uh, worldwide. And guess okay. what? 95% of the Wagyu is well done. 95%. Okay? Shit. Nine, not like... No, like, hey, hey, no, not medium well, not medium. We're wow. well done. No well done. red. 
no red and they fucking love it they yeah. cr- they order it by the pounds dude and it's crazy because like we had this conversation of like you know it's like what are you willing like as a chef like what are you willing to sacrifice? And like the executive chef over there was like, man, I'm just tired of cooking well done steaks, man. Like I'm just, I'm just over it, man. It's like horrible. I get this yeah. beautiful steak in. And then when you, you know, you cook it and I'm just like, yeah, but like, that's your clientele. Like, yeah. you know, these middle Eastern people, they don't fuck around, bro. They don't want no goddamn mm. rare steak. Like for me, I will eat it raw dog. I, I love yeah. Wagyu. I, I love Wagyu either raw or barely cooked, but it's mm. just funny because the, it's perception is reality. Yeah. You have these people that have deep ass pockets and it's like, you're going to tell them no, that you have, you don't have a say in how other people want to eat their food. You know what I mean? Bottom line. Hey, you know what? I wanted to ask you something, Carlos, because this is really important. This is, this was a changing point in my career. Um, so how did your leadership style change when you had children? Um, sorry, my kids are screaming in the background, but, um, I think I, it was, it was about patience for me. Um, And I kind of got into the realization where, like, my job is to create food and babysit at the same time. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I was I was able to get more patient. Uh, I no longer got upset when, like, I had to explain things in a in like a dumbed down way to yeah. someone. Mm. Yeah. And I just I I got to the point where, like, I even sort of changed the style of my recipes to read off like a five year old. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and you know it's funny that I actually found more success. Because my like, I can give a recipe to someone who has been in the game for a year, and they can follow it to the T. Mm. Um, and I just, I just started like, you know, I, I, I got rid of like some of the French terms in my recipes and things like that, and I was like, mm-hmm. small dice, yeah, really small dice. Hey, you know and, what's so funny? I've changed that as well. No French shit in my like. I respect French, yeah. and I, but it yeah. just confuses the fuck out of people. Yeah, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Oh, Especially Americanos, like we. We are all confused. And it's funny because that is like, same thing on my menu. I don't call anything French. I don't like, I don't do it. I call it what it is. But yeah, that's, 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 that's great tip, man. I was telling, I told KC this before and I'll tell everybody else, but like when I had my first child, um, it, it completely changed my leadership style and the way I, the kind of the analogy. Hold on. Let me close my garage door, man. For some reason. No, he sneaks up on me, bro. (laughs) Shit. Well, it was really funny, but anyway, back to the kids. I try to tell everybody this, like I, once I started treating people like my children, like it made a huge difference. And here's a good example. You would never fire your child. You would do whatever it takes to build them up and mentor them at any length. And you would ultimately provide the most value you can to them to help them succeed. And I think that is really important to note because I've had a lot of success with other, um, with chefs that have worked under me. And um, what, what I realized is like, I provide them more value than they provide me because ultimately I work for them. They don't work for me is my mentality. And I have gotten so, so, so oh, like, it's night and day the feedback I got. When I when I came out of Alinea, like bro, I was literally a fucking maniac, uh, absolute maniac. And it's crazy because I went into uh, I went from Chicago to Las Vegas, and I went into an environment that was just not accustomed to that three Michelin star you know lifestyle. And um, you know, and I was just on fire, man. And what I realized is like 
it didn't get me anywhere. You know, I was working by myself. Like, you know, like I would kick people off stations. It was ridiculous. I was an absolute fucking ego driven maniac, man. It was crazy. But it ended but up teaching me a young, good lesson. Though. Yeah. I mean, I'm also part of like kind of the new generation. Like, dude, I, I don't I don't yell in my kitchen. I don't throw plates. I don't yeah. I don't do pans. Yeah. I I respect my staff. Um, and they, yes. you know, they they work their asses off for me, you know. Um yeah. and I'm one of those guys too, man. Like I'm I'm not in the I have my office days, but if I can be out there on the line grinding, I'll do it. Of course. Yeah, because yeah, it's, yeah. I mean it's well, what I love to do. Did you did it tell you, did it take you did it take you some time to build up your staff? Um I'm still currently building my staff, dude. Hiring has been hiring has been a nightmare. Um, yeah, lately. Is it because of your location, or is it because of just the talent? Um, I think it's I think it's location location uh, being that it's a private company. Yeah. Um, the hourly rate has been uh, a challenge, so everyone around us is growing and paying more, and we have to go by our corporate standards. So, like before, I can. Mm offer X amount of money. I have to like go through corporate. My GM has to ask his VP and VP and vice versa. Um, so we finally got the pay up to about 22 bucks an hour. Uh, we don't tip the cooks. Uh, it's a company standard. They don't tip the cooks. So it makes mm-hmm. it more challenging. So I got Wingstop down the block. This chart, just uh, paying 22 bucks plus tip for a line cook. Mm, can't compete wow. with that. <laughs> I can't compete with that. Um, yeah. So, you, you know, what kind of benefits are you offering? I don't offer any benefits, dude. Any benefits? It's yes. it's one of those it's one of those corporate God. jobs, like, like benefits. Wow. Exactly. So I have my so four people that I'm treating good and, and getting them raises as we yeah. increase our pay so they can stay. Uh, but also about me, dude. Like when I hire people, I I rather hire someone who has the the drive and the, and the want to and like that fucking go getter attitude than someone who's had 10, 15 years of experience. Because yeah, I already know I what that it comes with so much baggage. Um, yeah. It comes with I, I've done this before. Like every time like if I'm trying to explain a recipe to you and you and you cut me off and you're like, oh, I've done that before. No, you fucking haven't. You yeah. may have mm. done it for like other chefs, but I've yeah. done I've done pesto 22 different ways in my career. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? I've yeah. done different vinegars, different wines, different oils. You know what I mean? Like, dude, just let me explain to you the way that I want it done and let's just go yep. from there. But a new person yeah. won't argue with you. They'll just sit there and listen to you. They'll, they'll say yes. They'll they'll do it. Um, mm-hmm. They'll make their mistakes and we correct them as we go. You know? Yeah. That's a great uh, point. I think, you know, like in all honesty, I have some uh, I have some things behind the scenes that I'm working on. And my one fear is staff. Yeah. Um, you know, my because I know no, how difficult it, it is right now. And I know, I know, no, and I know that, and I know that, um, you know, I, so many chefs in San Francisco have been asking me, hey, do you have any cooks? Is there any, you know, any sous chefs? And I'm like, no, bitch. They're all working for DoorDash and Uber Eats. You know why? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because they're pay- making way more money and they get the schedule they want. Bottom yeah. line. So in all honesty, if I were you, Carlos, I would go to your corporate and I would say, hey, listen, I have no, I, I have no legs to stand on. These are the staff I need. I yeah. need to run this operation. Here is our comp set, right? Because you're in corporate. Yeah. Wingstop down the street is paying X amount of dollars with tips. We, you know, and benefits, this is their package. This is their package. And then I would say, and listen, you know what, you know what I think would be, well, you know what I think would really work is that, um, that four day work week with three days off. So, yeah. So, so Europe just started uh, implementing this for restaurants where, um, they do a 10 hour work day 
for the yeah. fine dining mm -hmm. restaurants, you know? And, uh, well, hold on, let me ask you, what, does your operation breakfast, lunch, and dinner? No. So we, um, so we do, we do breakfast, we do lunch and dinner, uh, right now for the summertime, six days a week during the fall and winter, we're closed, uh, two days out of the week. Uh, and we do breakfast. This is ridiculous too. It's like we do breakfast twice a week for uh, Saturday and Sunday for two hours a day. So four hours a week oh. breakfast service. And, um, there's, there's a fear of saying no. Right. So yeah. I, I run a 16 item breakfast menu twice a week for four right. hours a week. Then I run a 25 item lunch menu and then a 27 item dinner menu. Um, and my, my argument is that we can run five items for breakfast. We can run 15 items for lunch and 15 items for dinner. Mm -hmm. And there'll be great 15 items that we can then mm -hmm. rotate, whether it be yeah. every six weeks or whatever. But the idea is that our membership is so large and we have so many members and people that they want to satisfy every single aspect of the wheel. And I was just like, yo, yeah. dude, you can't, you can't do that. It's impossible. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and at the same time too, like I'm running, I'm running private events and I'm running 250 person banquets and weddings and this and that. And it's yeah. just like, it's not. And I think it's just like that mentality, dude. Like I said, like, they're just, they're afraid to put their foot down and say, Hey, this is our vision. This is where we're going. This is what we want to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it's with my staff, that's my current struggle. Yeah. How many staff do you have? Uh, I have uh, five line cooks uh, two and uh, two sous chefs. Oh, that's not, that's not bad though. It's not, that's not bad. Um, do, you, do you have, how many dishwashers do you have or stewards? Uh, I finally got, I got three. I need two more. Yeah. But three's yeah. good. That's good, bro. Three's, no, three's not bad, dude. I just three solid. Where uh, um, as soon as the sun comes out in Washington, dude, that pool's open seven days a week. So right now my, my biggest concern is trying to um, fill three shifts a day for seven days at the pool with a yeah, pool kitchen. Yeah. That's our, tough. Our pool's in a do different you have, um, building. Do you, out, do you outsource uh, for the banquets or do you just do in-house? Uh, we do so in-house. So you transition your cooks, you give them like extra time yeah, to do the, yeah. 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 That's um, rough. And how many more cooks are you looking for? Three? I just need three for the pool. I can deal with kitchen work as with what I have, but that yeah. seven day a week on pool is what's going to kill me. On um, the pool. Yeah. Let me ask you something. How many special requests do you have? Like a lot people asking just for crazy a amounts lot. or do they order, a lot. They, order, they order straight off the menu? No, nah, this is all special requests. I, I mean, that uh, my FMB director didn't like. I was like, yo, we might as well like. I was like, yo, we might as well just be part be part of Burger King, because like people, people <laughs> make it all like, you want. People, yeah. No, dude, it's, it's to the point. I get. I understand modifications. Like, if you want to modify, dude, as, as long as you pay your bill yeah. at the end of the day, I don't give a shit what you do. But to an extent, you know what I mean. It gets to the point where they they take pieces of certain items on the menu and they, they create like yeah. this dish, um, or like. Once sometimes uh, I get like a request to add avocado or jalapenos, and they're like, "Oh, this guy wants jalapenos," and I'm like, "Where the fuck do you want me to get jalapenos from?" I was like, yeah. "Oh, you should just you should have jalapenos in case one of our members wants it." I was like, "Dude, nothing on my menu has yeah. jalapenos, so why the fuck would I bring in a case or a pound or anything like that for it to just go to waste in the back yeah, of the walk?" And then, and then the problem um, is they don't understand that the front of the house they don't understand that. No. Yeah. Um, but it's funny, like you said earlier, you were talking about numbers and I look at my sales mix every day. Actually, I did a video today on, on TikTok about like how I like my menu and my yeah. food costing. Um, 
And I get when they're like, when the servers, the serving staff isn't trained to handle like customer feedback, right? So I had a halibut. So I had a halibut with a, a wild garlic risotto. And we, a server came by and said, oh, this person said that the halibut was salty. So you guys need to stop using so much salt. And my sous chef yelled across the kitchen to my saute guy and said, hey, less salt on the halibut. And I said, hold on a second. We've sold like 60 of them this week. <laughs> this is the first time someone said something about salt. We can't just change what we're doing on the fly because of just one person. You know what yeah. I mean? We got to like, we got to stop the what feed- we're doing. The feedback to the cook needs to be a little bit more reined in. And I think what's really important yeah. is it needs to filter through you or yeah. the sous chef on the line. And then you need to tell your sous chef how to deal with that. Because right. if you tell that to a cook, bro, you're guaranteed failure. Like, yeah, yeah. he's going to not put salt on that halibut. But usually what I would say is like, hey, listen, the last guest said the halibut was just a little bit too salty right. feedback. And then I always tell every single cook, like, um, you know, during the rush, um, you know, whenever, like whenever I'm expoing, I think what's really important is you need to set the standard and set the boundary that, you know, th- it's not debate time during service. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> I've met so many cooks, dude, that just so worked up over some bullshit. And oh, it's so yeah. funny. And man, I don't let any of like, I remember like, uh, especially like, you know, when you have a steak come back on the grill station, uh, you know, this is like defeat, right? When you, and, and it's funny because I try to put things in perspective for cooks. I'm like, listen, it's fine. They're like, no, this steak is medium rare. This steak is me- it's medium rare. Look at it, chef. Look at it. I'm like, dude, relax. Fucking simmer down, bro. <laughs> you can cook a steak. Yes. Yeah. You know how to cook a steak. They're just asking it for it bumped up. That's it. Put it in the fucking yeah. oven and give it back to me in two minutes. Okay. Right. Two Thank minutes. you. Let's go. And then look, <laughs> I, like I tell, I tell everybody like, and then that's all they think about the whole night. I'm like, listen. When you go to the bathroom and you take a shit and you wipe your ass, do you bring it with you? You put it in your pocket and you bring it with you? No. You flush that shit down the toilet and you move on with your life, bro. Okay? Bottom yes. line. And it's crazy I mean, because what, it's true. That's what it is, dude. Like, I usually, when, I, when I'm expo, I expo and I keep a notepad on my side and I just, like, I write feedback down. Like, the important stuff. Not the, yeah. you know, not the shit that you filter out. And, and then I, I kind of just take that feedback and I you know, talk to my guys about it. And then we talk about it during pre-shift. I say, Hey, last yeah. night, let's this, let's make some adjustments that way. Because exactly like you said, like on the line in the middle of a rush, when you got 10, 12, 15 tickets in front of you, the last thing you want to hear is some negative shit about what you're doing. Of course. Yeah. Cause you're, you're already in the shits. Like yeah, you don't, yeah. you don't, you don't need that. So I tell my guys as you know, we, I do a pre-shift real chill and I do, um, I do my pre-shift where I have like three categories. Um, I do like instruct, inspire, and, uh, and thankfulness. So I tell them, Hey, this is what we're going to do. This is how many covers, blah, blah. Um, nice job on the walk-in for cleanliness. You know, thank you for this. Thank you for that. You guys did great last night. Um, these are just the adjustments I would need to do at the end. You know what I mean? And I've, that found us like, and like, I've had a lot of success with that. Cause I, I, mm. I start with positive, 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 and then, then hit it with shit the that we need to fix. Yeah, yeah, that's that's dope. Yeah. yeah, that's like listen, man. I'm telling you right now, the reason why I'm trying to grow my social media so vigorously is because for my next project that I'm working on, you know, I want people to come. I want people to come work with me. You know what I mean? And I yeah. want to make a yeah, difference yeah, yeah, yeah. in their life as a cook. You know, like I think the biggest thing that we're missing for chefs is, you know, <laughs> I've made so much money for other chefs and other uh, restaurateurs, and they gave in turn they gave me that experience, and I'm able to put on my resume. But listen. 
I'm, I hate to say it, but that's just not good enough anymore. You know what I mean? I want to be able to give chefs like here, Hey, let's, let's get this investor to invest in a restaurant that you're passionate about. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, I'll oversee it, but you be the chef, take it, let's go. Like you need to be, you like you get a piece of the pie because I think that's ultimately what chefs need to be more, what they need to do more of. Right. Like yeah. I remember like thinking in my head, like, why doesn't, why don't these big time chefs invest in their chefs for restaurants? You know what I mean? You, now, don't get me wrong. You have like the Daniel Blue that invests in, uh, you know, Gavin Kaysen and Thomas Keller invested in Bennu. But if you think about how many cooks and how many chefs have went through their, uh, you know, their rankings, you know, like if and there nothing. was a big, if there was a better carrot on the end of that stick, you know what I'm saying? That was dangling. Dude, I think that'd be much better. And that's what I want to build. I want to give like, because I don't know about you, but the restaurant industry has been exposed. Yeah. Right. Let's be honest. No, it's not a secret. The hours are shitty. The weekends are long. There are no holidays. No, you know, you like it is so unsustainable. And now we fucking know there is no hiding. And all these mm -hmm. chefs that used to be assholes and that treat their staff like shit are paying the price. Right. So yeah. that's why, like, I think my one, my number one recommendation for you is, is I would offer what you can, you know, yeah. uh, one guaranteed days off, you know, two days a week, uh, you know, X, Y, Z, um, you know, uh, vacation, a sign on bonus of a thousand dollars or, uh, you know, after your first 90 days, um, you know, uh, like there's things that you can, there's perks that will make a cook sign on that once you get them in, then you can show them that you're, you're about it, you know, because like, mm. I think that's how you're going to have to be competitive now. Like, dude, the fact that you can DoorDash in San Francisco right now and make six figures a year. That's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. I'm not joking. That's I'm not joking. I ordered DoorDash. Door I'm, I'm not fucking joking, guys. I'm not joking. That's crazy. The door, I had this DoorDash guy. I, I have pretty much like the same. Anyway, he comes over. Um, you know, he comes, he comes and like, uh, and I'm, I was like, hey, man, question. I just want to know how much money you make in a month. He's like, you know what? I'm not going to lie. I'm crushing it right now. And it's because convenience is king, man. Convenience is king. But DoorDash is better than Instacart because uh, DoorDash, like the, what they're doing is they're working like a rush. So from six to eight o'clock, they're fucking working like their ass off. You know, they're driving everywhere and, you know, they'll, they'll pocket two to $300. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and it's crazy because what cook would love to work for two to three hours and then do whatever the fuck they want after their shift and they can pick whenever yeah, they exactly. want to work. Yeah. I'm filling up my application right now as we speak. So dude, straight up. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I fuck hate to say this it, shit. Yeah. And I wish it used to be like, it used to be like Uber, you know, Uber like was, was big, yeah. but now it's, it's all DoorDash and freaking Uber eats. But I mean, there's also the fact too, like um, I think for a lot of chefs who, you know, like Casey's doing, you no longer need a 60, a 60 person like restaurant. You don't need to see no. 10, 15 tables. Like right now, like if I were to open my own restaurant, I would want to do like just a chef's table with a beautiful bar top that people can sit yeah. in really nice chairs, 10 to 15 chairs and just kitchen right behind me, me and someone else and just do like a tasting menu that changes seasonally yeah. and yeah. Mm, pair that with a wine pairing. Think about it this way, dude. Like if I do if I do 15 tops every night at 150 bucks a pop with a wine pairing and I cook seasonally, keep my costs down low, you're talking about what? I'm making thousands of dollars a night, four nights a week. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, you, you, you're doing what you love. You're keeping it yeah. small. 
and you're only working three, four days a week. And every now and then you do like a special brunch or you charge more and you sell bottles of wine and you do the little things that cost you nothing and you sell them for a lot. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's what I, that's what I would want to do if I were to yeah. open my own place. So, so I think, I think my trajectory and what I want to do is I want to open up, uh, you know, I want to start, I want to start with the brainchild and, uh, well, Casey knows, but I'll, I'll be able to release this info probably. Soon. When are you going to, when are you, when are you going to edit this Casey? When are you going to put post this, this next be, week? Hold on. Next week, next Tuesday. Okay. Yeah. So not yet, but next podcast we do, I'll be able to, I'll be able to tell it all because this girl, but it's what, what I'm, what I'm working on is a brainchild. So we have an, you know, the original, the OG restaurant, but then after that you have the, under the umbrella, you have a bunch of different ones, right? Because yeah. see, here's the thing. You're not, not going to get like, you're not get the return on investment from one restaurant. We all know this. Mm -hmm. You need multiple units. Yeah. And the thing is, is I'll be honest, guys. It's easy for me to manage a fucking 30 seat restaurant, bro. It is really easy. It's really easy for me to manage, uh, you know, a ramen shop, right? Like it's really easy. And I think the goal of having one, you know, standard restaurant, your restaurant, that's your baby, but then immediately putting a chef in charge and then branching out. And then you do your yep. tasting menu, 100%. right? Because, oh be because, yeah. because here's the thing you have your revenue from the original restaurant. You know what I'm saying? That so it's not like this is where us chefs we get fucking tied up where we're just worried about the numbers and we're not worried about just doing what makes us passionate in turn is what's gonna bring us the revenue. You know what I mean? Like I think that's the biggest thing that we all need to start working on. Like you don't need a uh you know 250 square foot restaurant, right? Like I think having multiple units across the board is just I mean. If you guys get a chance, look at what Scratch Kitchen's doing, and I really like this chef. And um, I'm thinking about like kind of mimicking his same style of service. Where, and this goes back to the labor thing, is where you know he has just a bunch of chefs working with him. You know, I don't know what level yeah. they're at. They don't get they don't get paid shit, but like they serve the food. They you know they clear the table. They do everything right, <clears throat> but they also yeah. get all the tips. And yeah. he has one person in front of the house. But like I really like the idea of that because you know it makes you a well-rounded chef, right? Yeah. But. And plus, if you have a bunch of sous chefs on the line, like you really, your, your time spent, um, you know, uh, building up younger cooks is, you know, minimal, right? That's why I have started the YouTube series of the absolute basics, like ground one. I think, I think the, what these cooks are missing nowadays are like just the fucking basic, basic, like you need to know like these basic things. And like, it's funny because I just filmed the, uh, the, um, talking about mirepoix, like different types of mirepoix, just so somebody has a good idea. When I say, hey, can you go grab, can you make mirepoix, right? And they don't bring, like, how many times have you asked the cook to bring you, to make you, cut you mirepoix, and it's just fucking jacked up? Like, dude, when I want mirepoix, I'll like, when I dummy. want to dog, when I, can you make a dummy real quick? Oh my God. Listen, when I want mirepoix, just give me a deli cup of each, you know, like, don't, like, don't, I don't want to see, like, dude, 50, 25, 25, like, this is what we're missing. So what I'm going to do is when I'm training the staff and I'm like, hey, listen, no, go watch this YouTube video or go watch all these videos. So then you know my my point of view and you have, you're invested in me and then, then in turn I'm invested in you because I think ultimately that's what the biggest thing that we run into is trying to train staff while we're operating. It's hard. It's impossible. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like you can agree. It's impossible for you to take five minutes out of the day to like train a breakfast cook on omelets. Like you just yeah. ain't got that time. Dude. No, 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 no. And then, then sometimes you, dude, you have you have so much to do. Like for me, um, uh, we do this like this MGI tournament. It was like twelve hundred people for an entire week, and I got to do Whoa. breakfast, lunch, and dinner for them. And on a week like that, it's coming up in July. You. 
crush, but it's like we FNB makes a hundred grand off the bat on one week, right? Damn. So, um, on a day like that, you're absolutely right because I I schedule my best staff and my best guys to work that event because yeah. the less shit that I got to explain to people and the less things that I have to do saves my from a mental perspective. Yeah. It's just easier. And it makes yeah. my job a hell of a lot easier. So, yeah. I mean, I feel, I feel like what you're saying, but I think the other success in that idea too, is that, you know, I think we're, we're in a place now where restaurant people, people want to have more of a connection that goes just beyond the food that you cook for them. Like they want to know, get to know the people that are back there. Yep. They get, yeah. they want to know the people who are cooking the food for you. So yes. when you put, when you put those people in front of them, dude, it takes, it takes your restaurant to another level. Yeah. You know, people start to understand what you're making them and what, why you do the things you do. And they get to see how hard we're working to put this little plate in front of you. Yeah, and, I agree you know, with that 100%. I agree with that 100%. And like you can see the look in people's eyes when the chef brings out the dish, right? The yeah. food. And it's custom. And then, you know, when I explain things, you know, to like it's it's a different connection, man. It's like, yeah, man, I'm super excited for this shit. I can't wait. I know we got to go, huh? It's been an hour. I know you probably got to, yeah. you got to work tomorrow. Been, uh, yeah. Nothing too crazy, <laughs> but I do, I'm fine. Like, look, I just, this is a shout out to Carlos. Uh, Brandon, I don't know if you've seen some of this motherfucker's video, but this dude, <laughs> hold up. Just hold up. I'm telling you right now, this Let's dude, go. come put it. Nice. Yeah. yeah, man, that was good. Now, I, I, the reason I bring that I, up, because yeah. I just want to say team four, four and less ingredients, highly executed items four or less it's yeah. all you yeah, need i'm, I'm pretty you don't much need like frou -frou, yeah a whole hey, bunch you know, of shit you know you know what i was gonna say uh carlos is you should you should start posting like family meals like few meals you cook for your family from <clears throat> when you were young you know when you were young the things that you learned from your grandma that would be great man yeah because i'm not gonna lie like hey i'll be honest there i there is no correlation for what i when i cook at work compared yeah. to what i post on tiktok you know what i'm saying because for tiktok yeah. it's i'm not gonna lie people don't want to see the michelin shit man I think I, I, um, I'm the, I'm a, I'm very faulty of that. I like to do like elegant shit. And it's like, dude, that those videos. I, I, I think that's one of my, I think that's one of my mistakes too, man. Cause like, even like my Instagram, like sometimes like, like I'm very self-conscious of like what I post and I got to keep reminding myself like, dude, these big accounts, they edit the shit out of it. They add color to it. They do filters and blah, blah, blah. And like when you present it, like the way that I have, like I take a, I take as beautiful pictures as I can and I put it on there and I don't have time to get the extra green color on there and do all this yeah. and that. So I think I just got to get out of the mentality and just like, and just post food, yeah. you know? And I also, it's funny because you said something mentioned early in the, in the beginning where like from the second that I get to work to the time that I leave, dude, I could be posting 10, 15 videos a day. Yeah. Cause I go yeah. from like food costing from invoicing to meetings to like just e answering emails to just like having a pre-shift, having this, I do so much on a daily basis from an eight to 10 hour day that if I just like slow down and like think to myself that before I enter a situation, I should record this situation yeah. and then make the decision of what I want to show. Dude, I, I could, I could be posting volume. Um, and I think I just got to get myself in that mentality. Cause you're absolutely right. Dude. Like I, when I, when I joined your live the other, uh, a couple months ago and you talked about that and you were like, you were like, dude, nobody, nobody knows what the fuck they're doing on TikTok. Everybody's learning as they go. 
and yeah i was just like he's absolutely right bro i've been i've been posting for almost a year and a half or a couple you know and i'm still working it out i'm still trying to optimize and now i i've but the problem is is i look into my analytics and i'm not gonna lie i know exactly what to post to pop and so i break it up now i post 80 percent straight entertainment where i'm loud i'm obnoxious i make a fucking peanut butter and jelly and tell everybody that they're making it wrong and it goes viral (laughs) and i'm like yeah this is stupid i trolled i trolled the fuck out of everybody with the right. peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And then I made one from scratch, trolling even more. Like, yeah. dog, I had, I had my, nobody commented it. And so I had my wife comment on it. So I said, I, I was like, look, go in there and I want you to say, hey, you're a chef and you can't even make it from scratch. And then I replied the video. If yeah. you go, if you go to that video right now, they're both viral and well, not viral. I don't think they're viral yet, but they got over 500,000 views. Yeah. And um, because this, what, what you need to realize is you need to figure out how to drive traffic to your page. And yeah. this is how you do it. Now, that's a double-edged sword because you're going to have some followers that don't generally, uh, you know, want to see your content. They're just following you for that one video, which kind of sucks. But yeah, ultimately, I post 80% entertainment and then 10% of like super value chef tips and then 10% whatever the fuck I want. So that's why it's like all over the place, you know? Fucking anyway, cares. we got to wrap it up. All right. Well, in any case, um, again, I'll, I'll make sure to link all of Carlos's stuff. Underneath Brandon, don't say any more of the of the new stuff. We'll we'll wait on that one. <laughs> yeah, straight on, on the next one. However, yeah. can I just say, I knew I knew what you were doing when you posted this video. Okay, you weren't yeah. slick. I knew it was coming. <laughs> I knew it was coming. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, boy. Um, but know. very 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 niche of you. Um, yeah. However, Carlos, I think we should just be salty, man. I'm telling you right now, we're the only Bro, two. You know what? You know what? Hey, hey, in our what? group. I'm gonna that start doing more shit. reviews. I'm gonna start doing more reviews like that. I got good, really good feedback, but I don't know why people want to see me eat Taco Bell in my fucking car. Yeah, I, I mean, I know, I know, we gotta go, but like to, to me, though, the shit that I don't understand is that fucking bite shot. Like people just want to see you eat it, and like yeah. it, it, yeah. it, it, they, if you don't add that to your video, like yeah. people are gonna be like, "Yo, what did you?" They get mad. Yeah, they get yeah. mad. Yeah, they do. They it, do. Man. You're right. I was on live and I was eating on live, and I had like so many people come in and they're like and i stop eating because i think it's rude and they're like chef we want to watch you eat and i'm like what Get that's weird fuck out of all y'all fucking weird all y'all fucking you gotta weird. pay me for this one <laughs> all right that's it all right don't go crazy hey, thanks shit. a lot man okay. carlos it was fun talking to you yeah man thank you thank you again thank you all the links down below you can find carlos's stuff um all the info on his uh, carlos can i link their your instagram too on that are you cool with that yeah yeah go ahead yeah, yeah, yeah go for it again all info on Carlos. Um, and then next week, obviously, in the same time. But other than that, though, we out.